Uh, speechless. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. Boy, do we have one for you today. Ooh, wow. Okay, Meadow, who's on the episode today? Okay, first of all, it's like one of my favorite people of all time. It's Sam Abrahart. She is the <sighs> founder and CEO of the Mayfair Group, which is a one of the most beautiful mental health advocacy groups there is. They actually do a lot of work with other brands and help supporting other brands as well, but they also have their own that's all centered around mental health advocacy and I help consult for them. But she also just happens to be like one of my newest, favoritest friends of all time. She is such a beautiful fucking authentic like I hate the word authentic because everyone throws that slaps yeah, that people around are gonna nice. listen to this episode and are gonna know exactly what you're talking there's about a, she is there's the no most like yes there's no other word she is so beautifully herself she is so self-aware she's so gracious she has so much grace so much class she's also funny as fuck and she's just like she's cool as fuck too cool as fuck she's one of my, it's one of my favorite people of all time and she absolutely crushed this podcast we oh, talked her podcast so that's probably why the mayfair world i've been on it listen to it yeah you should go listen to it we talked about so many things and obviously you know meadow and i prepped before these episodes and and we we can sometimes kind of gauge the way that episodes are going to go and i don't know about you and obviously i recently met sam when she was out in la and like fucking fell in love with her and just like it validated it's everything i already thought her. about her yeah but then like I actually don't think I've ever been as quiet as I was. Both of us, when it comes yeah. to like interjecting, we're just silent because everything that she was saying was so thoughtful. We talked about leadership mm -hmm. within the company and leading with vulnerability, but still being effective at what you do. And she was just so incredibly gracious in sharing her mm -hmm. experiences, experiences in which she has failed as a leader and made mistakes as a leader within Mayfair and how they've pivoted and changed the culture and created this culture that actually walks the walk as well. Yeah. And it was just, she's the real so fucking rare. deal. Like it's, it's so, so rare, rare to find it's leaders so like beautiful. that. It's so refreshing. Like if you like Jesse Israel's episode, you're going to fucking love this episode, oh, which yeah. is also cute and ironic because they're working together now too. Yeah. It's like the best combo of all time. No, it's incredible. It's such <laughs> a great episode. I really hope you guys enjoy it. I don't even want to take up more time no, talking about me it. No, neither. Just Go to straight to, to Sam. It. You need, you need, you need the Sam. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Sam. Thank you for being. Thank you, love so, you. Much, so much, Sam. So much. Oh my God. Enjoy the enjoy episode. It. Um, it's ten fifteen, but oh, <laughs> that's like that's our bedtime. Are you kidding? Oh my gosh. No. Late night with us. That's so cute. We yeah, I mean, I've I've been working Arizona hours, so I I basically work from six p.m. to two a.m. every single night here. <laughs> Shut up! I swear. Wow. Yeah. Oh my god, that's rough. But Wait, it gets how long are it gives you? me the. I'm here oh. till mid July, but it gives me the flexibility to be in Europe. So I'm like, I'm fine. You know what I mean? Like, if that's the worst part of it, like I'm totally down to be here and do that. So totally. That oh my gosh. Amazing. You you've been thriving in London. Like all your fits, the hair, like you you're glowing over there. I know you really are. It's just being around the people I love, you know. Yeah. I feel like I'm a better version of myself around my family and I never get to see them, so I just value the time with them so much and yeah, I just I just feel like better version of Sam, like happy Sam when I'm here. It was just so nice. So, would That's you try really to live special. in both places eventually, do you think? You and Carl? Probably. I know. Yeah. I was messaging Carl because he like responded to my story because he came on our family vacation 
Um, so he was here for like 10 days. Uh, we were in, we were in France, but he messaged me and he was like, I love London. I miss it so much. And I was like, should we move here for a little while? Yes. And he goes, he goes, Sam, we're literally building a house right now. Are you kidding? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's, He's like, like no. real your ass in your Sagittarius <laughs> moon, like fucking stop. Like literally like oh, you yeah. and me both, baby. Yeah. I know. He's like, you're literally crazy. We have to pay the builders. Like stop. I was like, okay, okay. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I love you. Sam is the reason why I understand my Sag moon more, by the way. Because we're both Sag mm-hmm. moons. I forgot and we that you really feel it. That's yeah. why we literally, the second we met each other, we just like grabbed each other, went to the backyard, started smoking and just like vibing. We just like sat yeah. in each other's arms and just like smoked and talked. You know, it was perfect. We were living our best life. Yeah. I love I that it. you guys are working together because like it really is just the match. It's just the match made in heaven. We I got know. That energy, I- huh? Meadow changed our little world. She's amazing. Oh. I know you know that, Gabby, but I also just, I heard so much about you from Meadow. And so when you came to our oneness house, I was just like, tell me everything. Hi. Like, I, I just felt like I, I needed to be in your presence to experience one, the dynamic of the two of you together, but also just like get to spend time with you. And it's so cool to witness just you guys' dynamic. Like, you guys have, oh. it's magic. You know what I mean? Anyone around you knows that. So. Oh my gosh, I love being a part of it. You'll see because we have questions for you that fully reflect you and Dev being what Gabby and I are trying to accomplish too. Like, I feel like <laughs> yes. it's fun because they really do support each other in the like matchmaking way that you and yeah, I do, Gabby. Yeah. It's so fucking cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, I told, I told, I think I told you this, Dan, but after that event, it was probably the first time that I, since moving to LA, have been to any sort of like brand event that didn't feel mm. like a brand event. Yeah. Yeah. And it just felt so cool. And everyone that works there is just and works with you is so nice and authentic and like genuinely. The team is next level. And like you feel it. You feel it as like a third party coming into it. You just you feel safe. You feel I don't know. It was a nice it was really, really cool. You guys really did a good fucking job. And I used your stress Uh. ball. All the time. Wait, Sam, I forgot to tell you. Gabby's been using the stress ball. And then my good friend Michael that came to the wellness house was on a flight to Europe a few weeks ago and was like, dude, I was freaking out. And that Mayfair stress ball came in clutch. Who knew those like literally 99 cent stress balls were gonna be like the big, the big win of the the whole thing. I love it. I keep it in my hand every time we're recording now. We need to make our own, Sam. I know. I love that. Yeah, you guys should do them for the podcast. That'd be so fun. Oh, that'd be cute. I was gonna say Mayfair too, honestly. Yeah, seriously. Seriously, okay, really well, good. the first question, Q, do you want to do you want to intro unpacking, Gabby? Yeah. So every episode that we have a guest, we like to just put them in the hot seat for a hot second and ask them what mm. they're unpacking. We get a variety of different answers. Like it could literally be anything from like something silly to like actually something that you're genuinely going through and zero pressure to get deep. Mm-hmm. But kind of like, like first to, thing that comes to mind. We're here. Is there yeah. anything Girl, you're currently I'm a- unpacking? She's going to go I'm a Scorpio. Yeah. I'm a Scorpio. <laughs> we literally go from zero to like the deepest, darkest secret you could ever possibly want to know about me. Um, well, where do we want to start? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, actually, Meadow introduced me to Jesse, um, who yeah. I know you guys have had on your podcast. And me and him are we doing some coaching, some life work. Yes. Um, and something I'm unpacking right now is just fear of failure in, um, opportunities outside of my business. So Mm. I feel like when it comes to Mayfair, I feel so confident in that role. Um, and I think it's because 
you know, I've really grown into be comfortable in who I am as like CEO Sam of Mayfair. Like I love to take risks with Mayfair. Like I'm down to, um, you know, just try things. But then when it comes to like me personal, Sam, I feel like I'm way more timid and way more scared to try things that maybe like are uncomfortable for me. So mm. that could just be like personal ventures or, you know, like a book I've been wanting to write mm-hmm. or just like more public speaking engagements. Like I just, I'm scared to fail. And, you know, a lot of that is rooted in childhood and just my life and things that I've navigated. But I'm really working on unpacking what that fear of failure looks like for me and just getting past limiting beliefs, which I know like we all experience as human beings. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's a thank you for sharing that because that's so real and I know something that so many people experience and that that sort of distinction and like dichotomy between being able to be like so secure in one area of your life but then mm. the other area you're really just trying to navigate and it's it's almost like we show up it's a testament to like the different personalities that we have, right? Mm-hmm. And like our yeah. strengths and weaknesses in that way. But I think that's something that a lot of people, I'm sh- I mean, I can, I'm sure Meadow can too, can relate to. Well, it's also like literally one of the first questions I was thinking of when we were planning mm-hmm. this, Sam, was how you and I were talking so much back in May about how you really want to explore areas of you outside of Mayfair and like mm-hmm. other things you want to do. And so one of my first questions was like, how is that process going? And that's kind of that. You're like working through blocks to kind of start doing it. Right. Yeah. And I think there's like a hundred percent. And I think we all, to some degree, when you, when you build a business or you build a podcast or something you love, there's a sense of like underlying guilt. I feel like is the word that comes Mm. to mind for me of, of not wanting to allocate time, like selfish time to anything else. So the extreme of this would be when I first started my business, I would work like 20 hour days. I would like absolutely not burn out myself. I would mm-hmm. not take vacations. And in return, I was creating this like really toxic culture. And from the outside, Mayfair was like this amazing empowerment company and community. But like here I was as a leader, like mm-hmm. creating this culture where people felt like they couldn't take a break or they like couldn't go on a walk in the day. And, you know, I think I experienced burnout because of that. I feel like we probably lost some really good employees because of that, if I'm being honest. And I think like through this whole journey of being CEO of Mayfair and my own like personal development and self growth, I've learned that like the way that you lead your business translates so much into your culture and what you're cultivating. And then also outside of that. So you know, it's like, I want everybody to have passions outside of work. But then when it comes to me, I was living like I could only live, breathe and die Mayfair and I couldn't do anything else with my time. So it's been this weird, like learning lesson and period of just like the things that I'm so hopeful now and so excited about with my employees. Like I am allowed those opportunities too. like, I'm allowed to do things outside of work, outside of Mayfair. I'm allowed to style if I want or, you know, take other opportunities. And that's never going to take away from my love and time for Mayfair. But I'm also allowed to do other things. Like I shouldn't be defined by this just one thing. So yeah. That literally is the reason why I'm fucking in love with you. No. Like have you ever heard a leader be that honest and open (laughs) about their experience? Like no. And other like especially women our age trying to do this shit because we all are yeah. like no one is this fucking honest with each other this is why the second yeah. I met you Sam I just like gravitate towards you because you're you're like no bullshit authentic like learning in real time honestly oh yes <laughs> retweet to literally everything 
that, that Meadow just said, but it, it truly is like a testament to the type of leader that you are. And by the way, like, I feel like we always hear parents talk about this of like, oh, if I, if my cup isn't full, I'm not a good mom. Mm. I'm not a good partner mm. or whatever. And I think it's the same thing when it comes to being a leader and being a boss is you're not mm. going to be the best leader that you can be. You're not going to give the best version of yourself to your company and this like baby that you've grown from the ground up. If you, as Sam, the individual are not exactly. also taking mm-hmm. care of yourself and your cup isn't full in that way. So it all just yeah. like milks in. I wonder though but, when, cause by the way, what you said is really rare of like acknowledging a shift in culture. Cause like, everyone's like, had a job where they felt that at least amongst a lot of our friends, yeah, yeah, I yeah. would say. And For no sure, one yeah. really talks about that. No at least one this yeah. openly and beautifully. Yeah. A hundred percent. No one, no one talks about it. Um, I was wondering if you had like was there an aha moment that it clicked oh, in your brain or was it a slow burn where you were like, something needs to change here? Yeah. I, th- I think a lot of it comes along with one, just experience, you know, a- a- anything that you do. My dad always says the only thing that gets better with age is perspective. And it's so true. Mm-hmm. You get That's older and I feel like you see things completely differently. And I think also hand in hand with that is just like the self-work. You know, I I encourage every leader of a company to go on that journey and do the self-work because, you know, your unhealed traumas and pain will essentially lead to actions that you make, leadership decisions that you make, ways that you respond to people, defensiveness. I mean, everything, you know what I mean? I feel like there were so many things that I was able to identify during a lot of self-work and therapy that I was like, wait, I'm I'm doing I'm saying that I'm doing something in my business, but really I'm doing something another way. And, you know, I'm the first person to admit that like we've made a lot of mistakes. You know, I I've made a lot of mistakes in in the way that I originally set out with Mayfair and the, maybe the culture that I was creating and the way we, you know, had people working crazy hours because, you know, that was normal to me. And that was like what I was doing and I felt like was normal. Um, and in reality, like, you know, that was part of a toxic culture essentially in the beginning that we might've been building. And so I think along with the self-work and therapy, I was able to identify the things that I struggled with. And it's so much, it's, it's, it's way more important to understand the things you struggle with than obviously the things that you're great at. Mm -hmm. And so I think if you can troubleshoot those things and learn to identify those things and you start to realize okay, these are the things that maybe I've instilled in the culture that I should change. And as you start to change them, you see that people enjoy work more, they stay more, they're more loyal to the company. Like, and, and also you become a better person and like you create boundaries for yourself because when you create them for yourself and you create them in the business, then like you get to also reap those benefits. So it's just, it's such a learning process. And I feel like, you know, it's hard to explain unless you've been through it. It's one of those yeah. things like, you you know, when, when you have a business, there's so many things you learn along the way. I mean, something that also comes to mind is I remember I wanted to like keep everyone. I was sad when people left for the longest mm-hmm. time. Like I didn't want people to outgrow Mayfair. Yeah. And I think recently something that I've come into just as like a, a CEO and something that I've been working on is just using Mayfair as an opportunity to help people get to the best version of themselves. Like whatever that long-term goal is, I, you know, we'll talk to our employees all the time and I'm like, what is your long-term goal in life? Okay. You want to be a lawyer. You want to be, how can I help you get there? 
And, you know, I think that like so many people are going to have amazing, amazing dreams beyond you and that's okay. Um, but I think it starts with the journey of self-healing. And I feel like until you address your own issues, those issues will continue to bleed into the people around you in your work or professional life. So it's important to do the self-work. Can you think of like a, a a specific example or two of something that you do now at Mayfair that you didn't do in the past that's monumental? Mm, like, good question. I, I, rem- I remember the day that Mad Happy sent out like a formal email being like, we are no texting past 6 or 7 p.m. Like we schedule meetings a certain way. Like these like really beautiful kind of nice work-life boundaries that they made like a company-wide standard. Can you think of like some of your favorite rules or things you've implemented? Which I know is kind of a hard question to think of. No, it's a great question. I, I, one being the example I just said is, is, is really working with employees to understand what their long-term goals in life are beyond work, beyond everything. And then just understanding that we play a small part in someone's journey. And that's the most fulfilling thing that you can do as, as anyone that's a leader, anyone that's, that's connected to anyone in life. If you can help somebody get to where they want to go and be a small part in their journey, then that's probably the most fulfilling thing for me, um, in my role. But I, something that is, is very obviously close and happening right now is just the remote office situation. So mm-hmm. essentially we basically were in office three days a week and, you know, I just started to see that people weren't motivated to come in. They wanted to be outside of Arizona. We were capped based on talent that we could have access to being in Arizona. Mm-hmm. We started to hire people outside. Um, and, you know, there's been so many shifts in what like, you know, normal work looks like nowadays totally. and how, and I think the biggest thing is just listen to your employees and have that open dialogue and transparency with your employees. Because I remember, there was quite a few things of employees coming to me being like, it's not really fair that we have to, you know, some of us have to come in for three days a week and everybody else is remote. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you're right. Like, it's not fair at all. Like, how do we all feel about trying going remote for the summer? You know, some people like coming into a space. Some people Mm -hmm. prefer to be remote. So it's really about listening. But basically we, we went remote for the entire summer. And you know, not only has that benefited everybody, they've been able to go visit family, but it's also been amazing for me. I've been able to be in London with my family, which I never get to do. So I think it's just really important to listen to your employees and have dialogue and communication with people and create a space where people feel comfortable to come to you and be honest about the things that they're going through. Um, And I feel like a lot of companies say that, but they don't really mean it. They're like, yeah, you can come oh, to us. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, 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 no. Like, mm, that's we're still going to. Yeah. So I think it's, you know, the hardest things to hear are usually the most important to hear. Um, and I think, you know, as a, as a leader and as a business owner, you really have to let go of your ego completely. You got to leave it at the door. You've got to can just completely be open to really honest feedback. And that's something I've had to learn as well and accept over time. Um, but the best decisions have come from those conversations. Dude, two things, two things. Sorry, Meta, I'm about to no, cut you off no, on this cut before me off, I forget baby. my two cut things. Cut me off, baby. Yeah. Okay. Number one, this, what I was just thinking about while you were talking is like, this is the exact issue that Meadow and I have with cancel culture because it creates an environment in which people don't feel inclined to take accountability Mm -hmm. because it's like, if you haven't been publicly canceled, then like, why am I going to openly talk about my, my, the mistakes I made and like draw attention to it. Mm -hmm. And especially with leaders in positions like yours, where you have like a very public facing company, 
mm-hmm. you know? And so that yeah. that I was just thinking about that and like just reiterating to people listening of like why cancel culture is just so incorrect yeah. and mm-hmm. so wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's the one thing I was thinking of. And the second thing I was thinking of was you made a comment about how you guys play you said a small role in people's lives. And I really, as someone who's been an employee of a boss who, this was my old boss at, at AD, Amy Astley. And I will, we, we adore Amy here. And she was the first boss that I ever had that sat me down and did that and was like, what? She asked me when she interviewed me, what do you actually want to do? Mm-hmm. And your answer doesn't need to be me. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't need to be that you want to be me. But what is it that you actually want to do? And she, for the two years that I worked with her, and she continued to reiterate that to me and touch base with me to make sure that my goals were in alignment with, you know, what she was trying to do for me. And I think you're playing a way bigger role and like you're being modest about it because not only is that so impactful for somebody who looks up to their boss, as I'm sure Mm -hmm. all the people that work with you do. But also you're creating a generation of leaders who are going to go on and remember you as the boss that did that and do that with their employees. That ripple effect is That ripple effect is so real. It's so So real. First of all, that means so much to me. Secondly, your boss sounds fucking incredible. Your old boss. She sounds amazing. She's the best. Shout out to her. But yeah, I, I I think again, yeah, these are all lessons I've learned over time and I'm still learning. And I think, you know, we've got amazing directors. Meadows met a lot of them, people mm-hmm. that have come into the company that in these senior leadership positions like AJ, Devin, Sophie, uh, I mean, so many, Amy, the there's so people. many people that I learn from every single day. And I think, you know, it's, it's so important to create an incredible group of people and be open. I mean, our motto at Mayfair is, never stop learning or forever student. Mm. I have it tattooed on my arm. Um, Love. In my dad's handwriting. But I think it's so important to just keep that mentality and always be curious and be a student of life forever. Like you're never going to know enough about the industry that you're in, about what you're doing. And the minute that you do, people will lose respect for you. Like you have to continue to stay a student of life. And, you know, I think that's kind of the mentality I've been trying to adopt in every situation and every scenario, but, but yeah, that's kind of like one of our models that we live by. It's literally what our entire podcast is based around too, is like learning in real time and like not being afraid to share those lessons out loud. You know what I mean? They're so valuable. Were you going to say something, Gabby? I, yeah, I was just while we're on the topic of work. So my sister just got home. She's staying with me um, right now. She can't hear you, but they say hi, Isa. <laughs> we were just talking about this at dinner. So it's actually funny that she just walked in as I'm about to ask you this question. We were talking about this at dinner the other day. And Sam, I wonder if you can speak to it because obviously you lead in a very thoughtful and compassionate way and yeah. everything that you were just mm-hmm. talking about in terms of shifting the culture and being open and honest with yourself. What is that boundary for you of mm. continuing to be a compassionate leader, but also being an effective leader because I know mm-hmm. that right now we're seeing a lot of the like every day is a mental health day, which like I wish, but like not realistic mm-hmm. when you're trying to meet deadlines and run a business at the end of the day. So what's mm-hmm. what's that boundary? Are you still learning it? Is it like a we're constantly unpacking this dynamic. Yeah. <laughs> Cause yeah, like yeah, before yeah. we get a team like you, we're trying to I mean we have one person on our team, but before we build out more and more, like we're really trying to learn these like healthy boundaries while also being as like compassionate and open and thoughtful. 
Yeah. It's hard. It's a hard balance. It's, to it's so hard. It, it is so hard. And I think what's what's interesting too is I feel like this is a non-traditional form of leadership that we kind of, you know, that we're venturing into. You know, there's not a rule book for it. There's not really a guideline. You know, I feel like a lot of corporate leaders, previous leaders that I've had, previous kind of like <clears throat> males. Yeah. Yeah. They totally are. <laughs> You know, they're, they're one dimensional in the way that they think and the way they motivate people. Mm -hmm. And it's very much just like work and, you know, your mental health, the things you're navigating don't really matter. So I definitely think it's a learning process. I don't think that, you know, it's one of those things, there's not a rule book to it. And I will say that I say, I think my biggest thing is just creating opportunities for dialogue. So something that we do at Mayfair is we instilled weekly check-ins with like our department heads. So every Friday, we basically have a check-in with our department heads. And that feels like a really great opportunity to open dialogue for, you know, a mental check-in. How are you doing? How are you feeling? What's on your plate? Um, and creating spaces for those conversations. And, you know, if, if you catch a vibe or you get a feeling that somebody's upset, obviously, like I always check in on people, but I think having those set scheduled like weekly times, check-ins, weekly check-ins, yeah, yeah right. because then I think the people come to the meeting and they, you know, they have their feedback, they have things that they're struggling with and it keeps it a little bit more centralized than just getting on every zoom call and being like, okay, how are we feeling? You know, like right. at the end of the day, we do want to be effective and we have to be productive. So I think having scheduled moments for that. Mm-hmm. And then I think, you know, just in instilling things within your handbook, within your culture. Like we have paid mental health days. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, after the shooting happened in Texas, I was texting Meadow about it, but. Oh, we talked about that on the podcast. Yes. We talked about how fucking beautifully you handled that. Yeah. yeah. I, I stayed up at night. I felt like just, I, I felt like I needed to say something to the team. And so, you know, I provided resources. I sent everybody an email. I gave everybody time off to- You made a generous donation. You yeah, did it Yeah, I made all. a donation. Yeah. But it, I, I think, you know, you, you kind of have to make decisions as you go. And, you know, even just- I'm going to be completely honest to on this and just tell you like one of our employees, one of our senior level employees, um, Amy, I don't know if you got to meet her meadow, but she's our director of e-commerce and she, we had been talking about, we've been talking about health benefits and instilling, you know, Mm. you bigger company initiatives. We are still a small self-funded business. So we haven't been able to offer full benefits for our employees yet. We've been talking about that for a while. You and I. You've yeah, been working been, on that. Yeah. We've been working on it. It's been something we've been like wanting forever, but you have to have so many people opt in. It's not just mm-hmm. as easy as like everyone gets medical benefits. It's like, okay, who's going to opt in? Do we meet the minimum? Right. Like it's really expensive. So anyways, she just brought up a really great point. She was like, you know, for a company that is really big on these things, I think that, you know, we should have a bigger a maternity leave, essentially a paid maternity leave, a mm-hmm. really big maternity leave. She wrote me this really honest thought out long email and she was right. She was a hundred percent right. And so Devin and I pulled her into the conversation being, she's one of the only people at Mayfair that's had children that's navigated Mm -hmm. that, that knows what Mm -hmm. it feels Mm -hmm. like to go Mm -hmm. on maternity leave and have the pressures of work and supporting a family and all these things. Um, and we should have involved her in the conversation from the get go. You know, that should have been something that I thought of to do, but we didn't. Um, and now she's been involved in all the conversations. She's been vocal about the things that she wants to see that she did see. She navigated when she was having babies. And 
I think that's, again, you're, you're learning all the time and you're not going to be able to do things right. A lot of times you're going to make mistakes, but all you can do is just listen to your employees and pull them into conversations, create spaces where they feel like they can write that email to you. They can tell you the things they want to see. Um, and I think that's just the best way to do it and be honest about the mistakes that you make, because I think a leader that's in denial about the things that they've done wrong is, is not a good leader. Period, Sam, period. (laughs) Sam, London, you like, I'm like, how is Eckhart Tolle going? Cause you feel like you have this new wave. Like, I mean, you've always had this energy and I watched you create these intentional spaces, like in the zoom meetings I've done with you at the wellness house. Like I watch you do this, but I feel like there's like a little fire in you right now. Like, I feel like you got a little extra energy, like 10 PM, Sam, 10 PM, Sam. But um, also, PM. side note, how's that Eckhart Tolle book going for you? Are oh, you making any like it, personal real like away from work? How how is this these lessons applying to personal life? What is I that mean, looking like? It's, that book has literally changed my world. It's and an unreal. I've read it like four it's times. Such a good book. Wait, which book? Which book? Tell the people. It's um. Oh my gosh, what is the a title? A new like, earth. A new and earth. Power yeah. of now. Those two are the top two. Finding, I think it's called finding your life purpose. It's like a new earth yeah. finding your life purpose. Yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. You're right. right. Adding it to the list. It is. It is mind blowing. And what's really cool is I'm doing it side by side with Jesse's coaching meadow. Oh, so that's fuck been yes. Yeah, it's been really that really eye opening combo. Yes. <laughs> no, seriously, that's what I was thinking about too when you were talking that's about the being the way in which you lead. Like he he that was what you know he spoke about on his episode. It was all about yeah being yeah. a vulnerable leader and leading from that place mm-hmm. of authenticity and vulnerability. So like how fucking cool that you guys are working together. Continue. I know. Yeah. And something, something too I just want to mention is like I know we all in this room are big believers in just self-investment, but I, I it took me – I actually reached out to Meadow. It took me a long time to even commit to doing the coaching with Jesse. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, I'm over here fucking buying lattes and fucking meals yeah. on my ass, <laughs> but I felt like I needed I to like – said that to her. I was like just sell some clothes on deep pop babe do it yeah. it's worth it like you it's, are worth it <laughs> it's yeah. so true though but we question spending money on self investment and yeah. that would be a big piece of advice you know i know those things are expensive but literally sell clothes on depop cut out take out meals like whatever you have to do because we all know but like the best investment you can ever make is in yourself so that coach, coaching coupled with reading this book has just been like mind blowing to me it's been yeah the it's timing. been so fucking exciting powerful chapter. And I'll say like, it's so much easier for me to say that to you on the phone than for me to do it myself. You know what I mean? Like, it's always easier to like preach that shit. And then actually, I literally was journaling about that last night about how kind of the daily conscientious moments, the ones that like feel so unrewarding is literally the hardest and most important work. Like Mm -hmm. I I was kind of like spiraling about something yesterday, just like, just anxious thoughts, like nothing new. Say more. Like no yeah, new con, yeah. no new, no new feelings, just new context. And I sat and Aaron, Aaron had just gone home for work and we were in our room because the AC was on and he's fucking snoring behind me and I'm sitting there like spiraling. And I was like, okay, moment <laughs> by fucking moment, I'm just going to try to create more space between me and this feeling. Like, that's mm-hmm. it. That's the only thing like moment mm-hmm. by fucking moment. And I sat there for 10 minutes and then I slowly felt like I had enough space. So then I got up and could like, you know, uh, cook and make a meal or whatever. And then within two hours, Gabby, like, uh, some, someone reached out to Gabby and I about thoughts may vary in an exciting way. Someone else like bought so, uh, an item of clothing of mine on Depop. And like one other thing happened that were just kind of like cute little add kids to me when I needed a good yeah, win. Yeah. 
And I was, I was processing through how I think those things happen all the time to us, no matter what, but it's, it's literally the choice to see those as the, a win Mm. or like Mm -hmm. the choice to see those as a sign. Cause the placebo Mm -hmm. effect is fucking real. You know what I mean? So it's like, why is there like a moral value attached to like, whether you get that from placebo effect or manifestation, like is one better than that? Like I was working through Mm -hmm. all that shit last night, but that's all shit I learned from Eckhart Tolle. Like that's like he, that book stays in my mind rent free all the fucking time. Like I'm just constantly unpacking it. it. (laughs) Are you like, are you like an audio book person? Are you like a physical book person, Gabby? I hate audiobooks. I really don't like them. I don't either. Me neither. (laughs) And I'm not like a Kindle girl either. Like I I need the physical book. Me too. Um, Yeah. It just, I think that I, I, last year I was really in a serious personal development book mode. Yeah. And I think it got Mm. so exhausting that I then shifted back into- You had to go live the life a little bit. My like real first love when it comes to books are like- personal essays and more like memoir-y type things from usually women because I just don't need it from a man (laughs) that I admire and I love hearing about their journeys and their stories and people are hilarious um like I just finished the book we're not we're never meeting in real life her name's also Sam um fucking hilarious book but I'm doing that and now I'm like on the fiction gang because I need a little escapism Summer yep. is so good for fiction. Summer's like a yeah. big fiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready to, to to open up the feels, especially what we were just talking about yeah. off camera before we started recording. Uh-huh. I, I, you know, people listening, I, I experienced a moment that sort of for like a literal split second, and Meadow really snapped me out of it. It was for a real split second. I was like really questioning my gut reactions and my intuition. And she was like, mm, we're not going to do that. We're not, I'm not even tolerating that from we're you. Not, We've we're worked not too hard that. on that. Yeah. Uh-huh, oh no. yeah. So I, I think I'm, I think I'm okay. And I think I'm in a space where I, I can, I can lean back into the, to the self-help world. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's like all encompassing. And I think too, yeah. you feel like, a, I'm sure you specifically being a writer, like you probably feel an obligation or it still feels a little bit work related. Yeah. I know Meta, yeah. like Meta, I'm sure you feel that way too, just in being in the advocacy space. Like sometimes it doesn't feel like an escapism from work it's because so it is true. part of what you do, you know, but, yeah. but yeah, I'm, I'm, the, I'm like, <laughs> I'm always that girl in January. That's like, I'm going to read 12 books this year. And like, <laughs> it's, <laughs> me too. It's literally June and I'm still finishing one. And I'm like, all right, Sam, you got Dude, this. Don't worry. Honestly, like, though, but like especially books like that where like you can read one chapter and fucking go journal about it for a month. Like it takes a while to get through. It takes them. a while. Yeah. I actually but it's kind of a nicer way to go through it. Yeah. I actually realized I can't read more than like seven to ten pages at once because I have so many thoughts after totally. seven pages that I will move on and I'm still thinking about the things that I read. So I almost feel like it's better to like, yeah, it's like, just do a couple pages. Yeah. Yeah. Like do five to seven pages and then decompress, write it, write about it, journal about it. And then like the next day, you know, reapproach it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's too much. It's, it's so meaty. It's almost too much information to retain. Like there's so much good stuff in it, but I want to be present for like everything. So yeah, and Gabby, even in some of his books, he has like this little symbol that like kind of looks like an S or infinity sign. That's literally meant for that. It's meant for you to like pause and stop reading and take it in and come back. Oh, to it another I time. read a book like, like he that. Has, 
How cool is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was – oh, God, I can't remember what it was called. Chrissy Rutherford told me to read it. She talks about it all the time. It'll come to oh, me. But – I know. But, um, you just saw the, her, right? Did Sorry, you? She's in London. I literally hung out with yeah. her like last week or a week oh. ago. God, she's so, so fucking cool. So I know. <laughs> she's literally the love best. Her. But yeah, the book has – places in the book where it literally tells you to stop and like take a breath or like stop and jump up jump mm-hmm. up and down and then it has journal prompts that sort of oh has God. you reflecting on what you were just just reading so the jump up and down totally you did that my... the other day on the podcast i did i did i yeah. literally jumped up and down to get out of a bad we were in the middle of a podcast and i was like in a bad mood and couldn't pull my thoughts together sam and we paused and i did jumping jacks and i put my head upside down to get blood to my head and flipped my hair and i was like <laughs> Okay, like I gotta come back to it. Like, yeah, I love you just it. gotta move that whatever energy the around. Fuck you have to do, like, you know, whatever the fuck okay, you gotta do, it. just do it, Literally. just do it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, truly, truly. Hi, Mahal. She's being so bad. Okay, I am gonna go back to work a little bit though, Sam, because I was yeah. chewing on this the other day about how I think you and I, at least from what I've experienced, are pretty unique in our perspective of view. We talk about this all the time, like viewing other people in our same field as people on the same team and not our competitors. Mm -hmm. And I think you and I are pretty fucking unique in that feeling, at least from my recent experiences. And so I just wanted to kind of like pick your brain about how the, as, as time goes on and as your business scales and gets bigger and you get into like bigger and cooler spaces, like, does that become easier or harder to maintain like how has that shifted for you how does that change mm-hmm. the way you define success like just yeah just say so, say some things about that for me would you yeah yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. first of all we could talk about this for days Meadow and I uh-huh. had so we many have. side conversations yeah. I'm it. sure <laughs> yeah but um I'm like insert like crazy backstory yeah. here um exactly. but I would say it gets easier with time. I think a a lot of things that I've learned with business is just you learn how to navigate situations. And especially, like I said, for me doing the self-work and understanding triggers for me, like personally and professionally, I've, I've understood, you know, just things that potentially were shortcomings for me that were infiltrating into my professional life. Um, and one of those was, you know, comparing my own business, uh, to other people's and also changing what my long-term goals were based on like what people in the industry were telling me that we should be doing or because we're like taught that we're fed that kind of narrative. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to this, my friend Emil Nava today, I went to lunch with him and we were just talking about, he has an amazing, amazing creative business too. And we were just chatting about it and we were talking about how, you know, it, you feel like this pressure when you're experiencing growth to like, go, 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 go. And people will be like, you know, you're going 500%. You can grow 800%. Here's how you go 1200% and all these things. And it's so hard not to get caught up in that. And I also think when people are saying like, this company's doing this and this company's doing that, like you almost have to be a little bit in your own world. And that was the way I kind of started Mayfair. And then I think when we started experiencing a lot of growth, I got a little bit caught up in that just to be really Mm -hmm. honest. And, you know, I feel like we started then making decisions based on these things that I was like aiming for that weren't really Mm -hmm. true to what, you know, Devin and I wanted and what I wanted for the business. And so, you know, as always, the universe humbles you in, in more ways than none. And we went through different things and I was like, okay, this is telling me that I need to realign with what my intentions are for the business. And, 
just because success may look one way to other people, success for me is like making an impact, having a manageable lifestyle business, not working 20 hour days, like creating a culture that people actually enjoy coming to work, not working my employees to death where they feel like they're so unhappy. Like maybe we don't need to double every year. Maybe we can be flat. Like that's fine too, you know, um, as long as we're making an impact and we're, you know, creating these beautiful conversations and safe spaces for people, then to me, that's success. Like if my employees are happy, we create this amazing culture. So I had to get intentional with, with what my goals for the business were and realign with that because it was easy to get caught up in what other people were telling me to do when we were growing really fast. Um, You have to say like very big picture every single day and every single decision, which is like hard to kind of do to scale that. And and I think too, you're conscious of what's happening in the industry, but I would advise people to like research, but only to a degree or be aware, Mm -hmm. but only to agree, Mm -hmm. not on like cultural, social impact type things. But I just mean what's happening with your competitors, with your industry, because if you focus too much, what on uh, other people are doing, you subconsciously start to think those are the growth things that you need to be doing or like these are the metrics you need to be hitting. Like if Forbes is posting about businesses doing this and this, like, do you, you need to, you know, so I think it's easy to get caught up in that. And in the same light with that, I would say when you're really sure about what it is that your long-term goal is for me, obviously it's just about making an impact and creating these safe spaces you don't see people as competition. You really don't see people as competition because you understand to get to that goal, to create advocacy for these really important conversations. It needs to involve everyone. So I've never, ever, ever really seen people, you know, as competition. And I can truly say that in my heart, people copy us all the time. We've never spoken out about it. Yes, of course, we've had to like send cease and desist letters because you know, those are designs that we've created, mm-hmm. like our graphic design. Right, you're taking care of your business. Stuff like that. Yeah. But I also, yeah. I feel like there's, you know, there's something to be said about handling those things in private and mm-hmm. having those conversations and even sometimes giving people the benefit of the doubt. Like people sometimes are unintentional. Sometimes people are intentional. That's okay. You know? So I don't know. I, I think that it's something again, that I've had to learn. And to be really honest, I feel like identifying your own triggers. And I feel like for me at first, I was so protective over my business that like anyone that left or anyone that copied us, I was so trigger happy. And I remember there was, there's some conversations in my early days where I like was reactive to things. And I like look back on that and I'm so disappointed that I handled it. But I also know I was really young and navigating what I was going through. And now it allowed you to learn a lesson. It allowed me to yeah. learn a lesson. And now yeah. I'm, you know, I yeah. handle things completely differently. Devin, our COO, is she's the so, dream. Yeah. She's so, she's so level-headed. Cool. She's so cool. And you know, sometimes I can feel a little bit emotional about things. If something goes wrong, obviously, just knowing that, you know, I'm such a passionate, intense person, the Scorpio in my chart. But Devin will be like, let's sleep on it. Let's take a day. Yeah. Let's take a step back. Like, let's step back from this, Sam. Let's like sit on it. Um, and she's taught me so many things too. And I think that's just a huge part of it is having good people around you also to advise you, um, to stay true to your long-term decisions. And Devin was a big part of that. I remember when we were experiencing all the growth, she was like, 
what are our long-term goals though? Because I know that you've told me that you don't want to chase growth. So like, what are the things that we want? And let's go back to that and let's make sure every decision comes back to that. So get clear on what you want, which is not what everybody else wants. Your KPIs can look a lot different and your success can look a lot different than everybody else. And I do think when you do that, like for yourself in whatever way that looks like, like Kingman has taught me this, you genuinely, like the money follows the movement. That's what he's always said to me. And I'm like, it's so true. Like, even like you're saying, if this year is net because you had your KPIs this year are more focused on culture or something else, like really still hitting those marks for your big picture, like the it, it ends up supporting you in return. The it's universe, so this is where I get woo-woo, but the universe ends up supporting you in return for doing that. I, I just know. so believe in that shit, dude. Yeah. It's like when you're in alignment, I feel like the universe yes. is like here, here, 100%. here, like opportunity, opportunity, opportunity. But when you're like, when you're misaligned or when you're yeah. like trying to live on someone else's path, then like you feel like it's just way more obstacles than normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually that's an yeah. indicator, but, but yeah. But speaking of dev too, and just like you I was going to say, you good... really set us up for a question that we've been wanting to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> you did for it for us. Do you want to ask it, Gabby? Well, we're talking, we're talking about people, correct? Yes. Is that what you were thinking? That was the path that I you was thinking on? about like, yeah, because she's been so conscientious. Sam, you've even privately been so conscientious to me about how you've been, or you've said how conscientiously you've been trying to cultivate people around you that feel that expansive, that nice, that can't mm-hmm. ground you that are here. Like you've been really focusing on finding those people. Mm-hmm. So go ahead, Gabby. Well, I mean, yeah, that's, that's basically the question is just what are the qualities that you look for in mm-hmm. the people that you bring onto the team? Does it differ from the people that you bring into your personal life? Mm-hmm. Mm. How do you differentiate? How do, they How do you differentiate? Yeah. Where do you yeah. find them? How do you, you know, all of it. Yeah. I, Where do you I make friends? There's, there's, <laughs> <laughs> well, teaches everything. I literally can count them on one hand, including my dog. No, um, very true statement though. Um, but yeah, I I would say there's a lot of similarities in the people, you know, I feel like I want to attract in my life and want kind of around me and around the people around me. But, um, you know, in a business, I think that talent and innovation and curiosity and willingness to learn to me say a lot more than just like general experience and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think it depends on the level that you're hiring for. Obviously, in a leadership, mentorship, senior level role, you need great experience. Um, for Mayfair, it's it's been really big for us to find mentors in the company uh, because mm-hmm. we want to create that culture where people feel like they're always learning. I've, I've had previous jobs and I know a lot of our team members have had previous jobs. And even at Mayfair, I feel like to a degree at some parts of the company, maybe we haven't had you know, maybe we weren't able to afford like really top senior level people, um, in the company. Sure. And I feel like people really want those mentors in their career. I really wanted those mentors. Everyone asked for that. So I think someone that understands how to relate and be empathetic to people and, and really mm-hmm. lead a team and be a good manager. I think those are really good, good traits. I think curiosity and the ability to like think outside the box. And that's something that is really big at Mayfair in general is, just because the industry is doing something, we don't want to do it that way. So how can you think about things 
differently. And then something that's big for Mayfair is just alignment with our overall morals and pillars. Like if you don't Mm -hmm. stand for the things that we stand for, it's going to be hard to be driven by passion and create the work that we're we're working on because like these campaigns have so many layers because they're personal and, you know, it's something that we all care about. And so when someone comes into an interview and they talk about, you know, their advocacy work or things that they really care about or social issues to me, that's like such a green light. And I think it's really important that they brought that up. And it tells me that like, okay, they, they really are eager to like move the needle on these conversations. And that's something that we really look for. Um, collaboration is a really big thing too. just having somebody that doesn't have a massive ego that like can only work in a siloed group, like siloed individual, somebody that's open to collaboration, open to learning that mentality of being a student forever. Um, and yeah, I would say just in my personal life, I look for all of those things and just like expansiveness. But I, I will say like, it is nice to have people that are unrelated to work because I think so much of my, my world can be consumed with work and I'm working on living outside of the identity of Mayfair Sam and CEO Sam. So I really love having people around me that don't give a shit about what I do and just want to hang out with me and literally watch Love Island and not talk about work (laughs) or social media or sales or any of those things. So as much as I look for those traits of like expansiveness and openness, like I definitely, and obviously caring about all the social issues and stuff, I I love people that just are on complete opposite pages in my personal life and and really don't care about work or what I do and those things. So you need yeah. it, dude. You, you got to have yeah. that. You balance. really do. It's so hard. You really Especially do. when like, like you're saying, like all the books we're reading kind of relate to work. All the friends we have are also kind yeah. of, in. it's just so true. And you've, you've really done that recently. For yeah. people, for people who are maybe unfamiliar, which doubtful, like who doesn't know what you do, but what are those pillars that you were talking yeah. about that you that you guys focus on at Mayfair? I mean, advocacy is the biggest one. I think Mm -hmm. just mental health advocacy, social issues advocacy, like Mm -hmm. um, equality advocacy, like it's it's a lot of the uh, social issues and issues that we care about moving the needle on. So, you know, we create campaigns around those things. We actually, this past month in May, launched a therapy fund, which Meadow was a big part of too. But it's so important for us to give people access to therapy. I know that that is sadly a luxury that a lot of people don't have access to. So it's really important for us to be able to provide resources. And we started small. We started in New York. Um, we're partnered with My Wellbeing, but we hope to expand that therapy fund to way more states, give people access uh, to resources for mental health care. So those are, you know, some of our fundamental pillars. And, you know, I think that in general, just creating a safe space on the mm-hmm. internet and real life, um, creating a community of people that can feel seen, loved and valued for who they are and really creating a safe space for conversation. Um, and a lot of that goes, you're back fucking to living that, that babe. Yeah. You're doing a it. lot of that. Yeah. Thanks guys. That means a lot, but yeah, a lot of it goes back to just like the things that we all kind of, you know, growing up was missing. And I felt like yeah. I never had when I was navigating my depression in, in 2016 and prior to that, um, so yeah, it's just about hopefully changing, like, you know, in a little way that we can creating a, a safe sp- space for people to be themselves. You're really <sighs> fucking doing it, dude. I'm, uh, I'm just so honored to know you would be a part of it. I love um, you so much. I do have three kind of fun, cutesy, like wrap up questions that have nothing to do with anything. 
Let's do it. Oh, I don't okay. even know what she's going to say, so let's hear it. Oh, God. Well, it's about you. Well, it's it's honestly just selfish because Sam's been on vacation and I haven't been able to talk to her and I just want to catch up with her. So it's <laughs> it's the best thing you've eaten, like all sense being in London but, or, or France, like on your vacay. Best thing you ate, most fun purchase and most fun activity. Love oh to hear gosh. it. Okay. Can I say the Nando's that I just wolfed down? Fuck yeah, you can. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah, Love. you can. Because those like, are the things you crave when you're not there, you know? Yeah, Nando's is so nostalgic to me. Every, yeah. you know, if you know, you know, Nando's yeah. chicken, totally. curry sauce. But it's so, it's like I was eating like French, amazing French fancy food and I just wanted some fucking chicken and fries, you know? Yep. So yep. got Preach. home and we just ordered some Nando's and I just um, purchased. Ooh, this is a good one. Um can I say no? Just kidding. No, no. <laughs> just, you're just um, saying. Well, can I say? I was like, you could say whatever you want. Yeah, my my mom. Yeah, this is, is for you. And my mom is in the room. She's literally just took her curler out because she doesn't want to come over here and be on the, <laughs> the Zoom. I'm like, hi, but mom. I, Meadow and Gabby say hi, mom. Hi, darling. Hi, accent. Uh, but I would say me and my sister are taking my, my mom, we leave on Saturday. She's so excited, but we're taking my mom on a two week trip, um, to places that we've always wanted to go, uh, with the three of us. It's a girl's trip. Um, my mom's had a crazy year. She's had a hard year. She's so, she's literally dancing in the living room right now. I'm so excited for her. (laughs) The best thing we purchased was just the tickets to be able to have that experience with her. And I think, again, this comes with the territory of like learning to be selfish with my own time and do the things totally. that I've always wanted to do and spend time with family. So that's probably best purchase. What was the Oh my gosh. Thing? That's so Wait, cute. How exciting. Activity. Like, so like, or yeah, activity, fun thing you've done there. Mm, fun thing I've done. Activity. Oh my God. We did so many crazy things. I feel like. <laughs> of course. <yeah. laughs> I'm like. <laughs> The shit we did in France. I'm like, eh. Um, <laughs> like, we need to hear the stories off would, camera. I know. But yeah, people would view me differently. Uh, <laughs> I feel I, that way I'm, about my entire existence. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. I, know, I know. It's a whole different Sam. Exactly. Uh, I, I mean, fun activity for me is just spending time with family. As, as literally lame as that is to say. I'm, no, I'm, you're a quality I'm, time girl. It's I'm not quality like, time. It's, it's yeah. my love language. Um, I live in Arizona. My family lives in London. All my siblings are all over the place. Brother in London, sister in LA, brother in LA, mom and dad here. So the fact that we get to spend time together, we could literally be doing not shit, like sitting around a kitchen table doing nothing. And we're having the best fucking time ever, just totally. laughing. So I think, you know, I just value that time. And we go to dinner and we we play like a question games at dinner. So we all yes. ask each other questions. We put our phones away and it can just be like really stupid shit to like really serious kind of like long-term thought-provoking questions and stuff. But I just really value that time of, you know, getting getting like quality, quality time with my family, I think is like really special. Oh, oh, that's I'm a so beautiful answer. And not Let's not all, take away any way, more of it. Yeah. Yeah, no, 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 because also like it's just that's rare, right? Like for it's people to rare, be able to yeah. have those relationships with their family. So like that's amazing and oh, I'm very happy for you. And like oh, literally you you were just so first of all we're so grateful that you took the time 
like out of your special happy time in London to do this with us. We admire you so much. You like truly everything that came out of your mouth today, just like pearls, (laughs) pearls of wisdom the whole time. How many fucking TikToks can I make of this episode? I'm like every (laughs) single time Sam talks, I'm turning it into a TikTok. We just, seriously, we just appreciate you so much. And what you're doing with Mayfair is so special and so, it's just like fucking validating too, you know? Like it, it really is. And I'm so, I feel so grateful that I've gotten to meet you and know you. So thank you beyond for doing this. Seriously. Seriously. So much. The feeling is so mutual. I know I tell you this all the time, Meadow and Gabby, I feel like you guys are just so special and I cannot wait to see the team that you build, the incredible things you guys do. Well, you're going to fucking help us because we're going to ask you all the questions when it happens. You you both have the biggest future and I just know you're going to create an amazing culture and team and I can't wait to be a witness to all of it. So I love you guys so much. I miss you you, so much. When you come back, can you not go to Arizona? Can you guys come to San Diego? Couples trip, like we said, because I miss you so much. (laughs) Let's do it. No, we have to do it. Gabby, you're in LA, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. she'll come. We'll make her come down. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Two hours. We'll do it. Yeah, we got this. We'll do it. I love you so much. Love you guys. I get to talk to you tomorrow. So I'll talk to you tomorrow. Yay! Thank you guys so much for listening to the Thoughts Mayberry podcast. Every Monday.